We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Wanted to give you a quick update real quick for the show this episode. Going to start things off with a one-on-one conversation with my guy, Fachi. Uh, we were not able to record at the same time, so he conducted an interview with Muhammad Gay, uh, a player that worked out for the Pacers that could be a second-round draft pick. So that's a great conversation with Fachi, and that's about 15 to 20 minutes long. And then I'm going to be joined by Michael Scotto for a one-on-one conversation to catch up on all the latest rumors in the NBA. So I think you're going to enjoy that, but... Let's go ahead and take a quick break, and then we'll come back with Michael Fachi and Muhammad Gay. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, everybody, we are back with arguably the most diamond in the rough prospect in this draft class. Six foot 11, big man out of Washington State, Muhammad Gay. How's it going? It's going good. How are we doing? Thanks for having me. Oh, of course. Hey, excited to, to have this. Also, you know, you know we, we, you know, we saw that you worked out for the Indiana Pacers. But before we get to that, I really want to touch on, you know, what's such a fascinating story. And it's that you've only been playing organized basketball for just over three years since you moved from Senegal. I mean, what was your earliest exposure to the NBA or just basketball in general? So you have to say that my family is a basketball family. So my brother played basketball. My sister played. I had cousins who – one of my cousins was born here, actually. He played at Rice. Oh, cool. I have cousins who played overseas. Um, my grandpa played for a national team. So it was – I had a basketball family, but I was a soccer player. So I love playing soccer. Back home, you're born. The next day, they give you a soccer ball. So it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of the first thing you do. So – 
being we, playing soccer since I was 14, then seeing my brother play. And that was my first exposure for sure, seeing my brother play. You know, we've heard of like Joel Embiid played soccer long before he played basketball. Do you think there's any correlation with like the footwork that you learn in soccer that maybe translates to basketball? Yeah, most definitely. And I was playing midfield, so I had the vision too. I would say the footwork and the vision for sure. The footwork helped a lot. I think that made the transition really easy for me. That's awesome. Look, you know, last year you went through the draft process after your freshman year at Washington State. You came back to school and you just about doubled your stats and improved in every category. You went from seven points, five rebounds, half an assist per game to, you know, 14.3 points, eight and a half rebounds two assists per game. I mean, you put up 15 double-doubles, four games of 15-plus rebounds, eight games of scoring 20 or more. You did it all. Was there a specific moment where you knew, all right, you know what, I think it's time to make the leap to the NBA and stay in the draft? Yes, that's definitely last year going through the draft process. So, so me going through the draft process, me seeing the pros work out and me working out against people that are saying, oh, he's going to be top 10. Or, oh, he's the best player in the draft process. And going against them, you're like, oh, I, I can hold my own. Like, they they not what they, what everybody say they are. And, and that was my mindset coming the next year. I'm like, yo, I play against this dude. I know I'm better than these dudes. Let me show the world. Was there, like, a specific game that stood out? I mean, if you're just going from, like, a box score number, I mean, your USC game, you know, your 31 points. Was there, like, one game that you're like, this is it. This this is the year. Um, you know, I I feel like I got it. Honestly, it was since uh since the uh the off season, uh, it was the mindset coming into the season. But yeah, the preseason games for sure. I had two double doubles back to back. I had eighteen the first game, eighteen and twelve. In the second game, I had twenty four and twelve. In the preseason games, and I was like, yeah, I just. I'm here. Like, like, I'm here for real. You know, talking about maybe uh, this this process and this off season. What do you think you've improved upon most since last season ended? Confidence, for sure. Being more assertive, and I think that goes a long way. With your, that helped with the shot. That helped with the decision making, and just that helped you play with ease. You know, playing confident. I would say that's the big thing. And I see the improvement too, and I see the people around me like, oh, you're more confident, you, like you're more assertive for what you're doing, and I, I would say that's the two. Your confidence is obviously huge, and I, I saw that you've also put on a lot of size since you started at Washington State, which that's got to help big time. I, I think from uh, one of the interviews you talked about, put on about maybe twenty, twenty-five pounds uh, over the last few years. That's got to be huge for you know battling in the post, right? Yeah, I mean, I got, I first got there, I was skinny as hell, coming from high school. You know, we don't live really in high school. And prolific, they do a good job, but it's nothing like college, you know. So I, I got there like 193, 195, something like that. And I left at 214, 215. So I put on a lot. And, man, it helped me with everything, like injuries, preventing injuries, being strong on the post. And it helped with the confidence, too, when you know, like, oh, I'm strong enough to go man, with these dudes. So it, it definitely helped a lot. Yeah, you know, you recently had a solo workout for the Indiana Pacers. One, how did it feel for it to be solo instead of in a group setting? And how did that workout go? Uh, that was not my first solo workout. The All my workout been solo. That was the sixth one, I think. And it went great, man. Indiana was nice. I like the coaches. They bring great, like they bring great energy. I like that was my first time being in the city, so I was that was exciting for me to see what Indiana about. I heard a lot about Indiana, so just walking around, great workout. The workout obviously is top tiers. Then just seeing Indiana in general, it was it was fun. I liked it. It was cool to see because the only other solo workouts the Pacers have conducted are guys projected to go in you know, the top seven or so. So to see you be able to get that solo workout was awesome and obviously created a lot of buzz if people want to say, hey, I, I got to watch more film on this guy. Right. I loved what I saw. I saw some ferocious dunks from you. I saw some great shot blocking. Your rebounding really impressed me. But also for Indiana, I mean, in that state, basketball is everything. So 
if the Pacers are fortunate enough to select you, you know, you're going to a place where if you could win a championship in Indiana, I mean, it will never be forgotten. But one thing I wanted to hear more about is what were your thoughts on the Pacers coaching staff as they've quickly built together a young and promising core that's really strongly emphasizing player development? I mean, it's great. You see players like Benedict Maturin, I played against him, Tyler. Tyler, who is one of the best point guards in the league right now, Tyrese. And, you know, just seeing the young players, seeing how they develop from uh, Benedict was his first year, then seeing how the other players develop from year to year is it's pretty amazing. And that's the type of organization you want to go to where, like, they help you develop and help you be the best version of yourself. So I will be I will be really fortunate if they will have to pick me in draft night for sure. Yeah, I mean, even just uh, in the past, the Pacers have had five most improved player of the year awards that, that, that they've won. Um, and then also, even the last few years, Chris Duarte, all-rookie second team. Last year, Benedict yeah. Matherin, all-rookie first team. Andrew Nemhard, a second-round pick, missed all-rookie second team by one vote. So you could see the player development. It's real in Indiana. And someone like you, who's only been playing for a few years, I feel like that's the perfect situation to continuously develop your game. But, you know, you mentioned about Halliburton, Matherin, you know, even Miles Turner. I mean, if you were to join this team, I mean, how exciting would it be to have a point guard like Tyrese Halliburton, who, while last year was leading the league in assists? Yeah. Nah. That's like quick 10 buckets for me, like 10 points for me, just running. I know, like, he's going to find me wherever I go. So that's all I can ask for is a big or forward running, because I like running in transition and having a point guard that's, going to find you and you know that he's going to find you the only thing you do is run that's that's the dream you know speaking about passing obviously that's what comes first to mind about Halliburton but I gotta say for you I think you're an underrated passer especially as a big man for some of the highlights I was watching there's some pretty good handles but also like you know I read that you you studied Bam Adebayo a bit Bam is one of the most you know the more gifted passers amongst big men can you talk about maybe your handles and playmaking skills a bit yeah, so when I first started, like, back home, they didn't put me on the post. I was taller than everybody, but they was like, oh. I was playing with my older brothers, like, oh, you're the point guard. Take the ball and handle it. Make passes. So I think that helped me a lot. And watching guys like Man and Giannis, you know, big point forward who can pass the ball, facilitate, and defend, you know, that's that's what I want to be. That's I want to be one of those. And even more... Like, 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 season, I was passing the ball, but I can get mine if needed. So be more, like, offensive-minded, but definitely be a two-way player with a passing skills that is, yeah, like you said, like, man, one of the best in the league at that position, for sure. I mean, and the growth that we've seen from Bam over the last few years has been awesome. So I can't even imagine what it would be like for you once you've been playing basketball for, say, five to ten years or anything of that sort. Um, but maybe we talked about the passing being a little bit underrated. Is there a part of your game that you feel you didn't really get to showcase as much at Washington State, maybe due to the role, whatever the type of offense that they were running? I would say just handling the ball, like coming off screens and shooting. I think people haven't seen that side of me yet, unless you really know me and play against me in pickups or knew me from earlier. But I would say that's, that's one thing that if people see it, they'll be like, oh, yeah, who who the hell is this? <laughs> hey, always love to see that because in these workouts, you see uh, typically a lot more from players that they weren't asked to do in college. Like I yeah. saw last year, you know, you stepped up your three-point attempts. The mid-range jumper, I saw more of that. How's that jump shot looking in this offseason, as I'm sure that's probably been a big point of emphasis? Uh, it's been looking great. I can't even lie. I look at myself in the video like that. That's <laughs> That's pretty. That's pretty. And I've been putting in the work even like the freshman year. Maybe didn't show up then, but I know all the work, all the work I put, it will show up at some point. It will be it will be scary. And it start to getting together. The puzzle is, you know, is completing. So uh, they they will see a lot of that in the, some future for sure. I'm excited about that. Uh, I would say one of the things that jumps off the page is your offensive rebounding capabilities you averaged about three and a half offensive rebounds last year do you think maybe rebounding or specifically on the offensive side of the glass might be something that you can contribute from day one or maybe that part of your game that is most nba ready 
Yes, I would say rebounding for sure in my footwork, how I move on defense. But definitely rebounding because uh, uh, people used to like to say, oh, you don't have no motor, you don't, you know. And getting expensive rebound, if you don't have no motor, you ain't getting none. So I, I would say that's the that's the part that is more impressive about my game. I would say definitely the offensive rebounding and, and my foot. Okay. And, you know, with Summer League, Summer League would be just about, you know, at this point about two months away or so. Uh, you know, how do you feel about in terms of just getting out there, getting that first taste of NBA experience in Summer League? Because that's where it's going to be, you know, a step up in competition, but also, you know, before it's just NBA level talent. Hey, I'm excited. I want to see what it's like because I've been watching the Summer League for a minute now and I'm excited to just go there and compete and, and see my peers and, you know, where everything I end up with trying to win the summer league. But I'm more excited just going there and competing and see what the other people are about. You know, what I would love is, like I mentioned before, this Pacers team, they're so young. Just last year, you know, the average age was about 23 years old. So there would be some Pacer teammates competing in summer league. So I'd love to see you out there with them if that's how everything works out. But can you talk about maybe some of the other teams that you've uh, been able to work out for? Yeah, I've been with uh, eight team now. Nice. Uh, six of them was individual, and the last two was the group workout. And they've been great. They've been – I mean, it's an NBA. It's like I'm coming from Wazoo in Senegal. It's like, okay, even though I went through it last year, I know what to expect. It's every time it's a great experience. It's like everything is new. Uh, some of the workouts are the same, but some every team have a little uh, sauce they add into it. They have their little something they add into it. But it's been a great experience so far. I'm enjoying it a lot. Was there maybe one drill in specific that was like really hard or stood out that you're like, man, this was just exhausting? Not a drill, but the three-minute run after the workout. Yeah, I did it in Utah. I did it last year in Boston, and Danny Hand is a uh, you know he back in Utah now. Yep. So that's his thing. I was like, yeah, in the altitude in Utah, I felt that one for sure. I'm sure you were much better prepared this time around than last year because you probably knew a bit what to expect, and you know whether it was things like, hey, I have to have my cardio right or anything of that of that sort. I'm sure you're able to make those improvements. But more of a personal question in your free time. What do you mm. like to do outside of basketball? Man, my family not here, so I talk to my family like every day, for like two, three hours, four hours a day. Then when I'm done on the phone, I like going on the walk. I like going to museum. So every time I travel in a new city, I'm trying to go to a new museum every time. I love art. I like taking pictures. I like looking at art. I just love art in general. I like reading too. It's can be. It's surprising to people. They say, oh, you like reading? Yeah, I do. I like reading a lot. And I like playing video games sometimes with my uh, friends online. That's awesome. All right. What's, uh, what kind of games are you playing these days? Video games. Hey, FIFA. FIFA? FIFA? I, I FIFA. can see that. I mean, you're yeah. a soccer you guy. Can, you, you can ask that them. You know them? Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. A them bonus? Yeah. You, don't, you can ask him. Never win a game again. He gonna say whatever he want though. Hey, how how's that how's that competition been like amongst uh, you guys? I mean, uh, how'd you guys meet? Me and Adam, we met in, in prolific. Oh, cool. We played together. Nice. Yeah, we had a crazy team in prolific. That was me, Adam, Nathan. We was the big three, and Johan. So since then, like we 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 really close. Like one of my best friends. Like we talk a lot hang out a lot every time we on the phone every time yeah well that's awesome and hey you could very well be seeing him down the line in the league as well so that's going to be uh, exciting and i always love to hear about how those not rivalries but friends and friendships grow and then you know gets a little chippy at times because you guys probably are competitive and you know that that'll be fun as time goes on have you ran into him oh, yeah. in any workouts or probably not Oh, we play we play against each other this season against UCLA. No, yeah, I'm saying we in play. terms of any of these workouts, like I know you mentioned you had two group settings. I don't know if that was uh if the case if you ran into each other at all yet. Nah, he he going back to college, so he was off his oh, Sorry about that. He he did withdraw yeah. on uh, May 31st. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, but, hey, that's a lot of fun. But hey, look for 
five to 10 years from now, what will they say about mm. your game and, you know, maybe where you went in the NBA draft? I mean, they probably say anything. They ain't seen something like this before because I know, I know my game gonna take another level while I'm in the league. Man, and I just started, and I'm be only focused on being better at basketball. They will, they will be surprised. They'll be like, "Where was he? And why was he picked that low?" But they, 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 they don't know what's coming. They, they will. I don't, I don't know. Hey, I really I, don't know. I know one thing that you mentioned. You mentioned that the confidence was it really improved for you. I could feel it, and I love it. I love every second of it. So keep that confidence sky high because you always got to be, you know, your biggest supporter and your harshest critic. And if you can continue that right. mentality, the sky is the limit for you. And look what you've already been able to accomplish in about three and a half years of playing organized basketball to put yourself in position to get drafted at the highest level. You know, this is uh, just awesome to see. I'll always be rooting yes, for you. Sir. But, hey, Muhammad, tell everybody where they could find you at on social media. Uh you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Instagram, Russell Gay. Twitter, same thing. I'm more on Instagram than Twitter. Twitter, I'm more of a watcher. But, yeah. Hey, I, nothing wrong with that. A lot, lot of uh, entertaining yeah. stuff to see on Twitter. Sometimes it's yes, better sir. to not tweet and just kind of watch from a distance, you know? Right, <laughs> yeah. Hey, Muhammad, I really appreciate this time. I'm rooting you on. Best of luck in the remaining workouts. And a NBA draft right around the corner. I'm excited to hear your name being called. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Thanks a lot for having me. Anytime. All right, everybody. Joining us now on Setting the Pace. He's no stranger to the show. We love having him on. He's the insider from Hoops Hype. It is Michael Scotto. Scotto, what's going on, brother? What's up, Alex? I equally love being a guest on the pod. I always enjoy your questions in our chat. Um, it's going to be an eventful offseason for Indiana coming up particularly here with the draft. So looking forward to it, brother. Yeah, I mean, I guess we can just start right there. Like, what are you hearing on that front with Indiana in terms of their uh, desires to move up, move picks, that kind of thing? I mean, look, certainly I, I think for Indiana, I I'll say this. I guess we'll start with they stay where they're at, all right? They have a really good draft position, I think, to get a quality impact player. You can get a guy potentially, Cam Whitmore, who would be an upgrade on the wing. Uh, and if not, you're looking at a couple of big men like uh, Jarris Walker at uh, Power Forward who can make an impact really good defensively, um, who played under Kelvin Sampson at Houston, a guy that can move the ball, showed he's a bit of an improved three-point shooter than maybe he did in high school. Uh, so there's some upside there. Um, can move the ball as a passer, um, whether it's out of the high post or coming off the short roll. And then you've got... To me, Taylor Hendricks is a guy I like personally. I think Same. for the mo for the modern big, a guy that could shoot, he can he can block shots. He's athletic. He can, he's switchable defensively and pick and roll coverage. Um, so he's a guy I think that would be an intriguing prospect as well. Um, and, and you know, certainly there's other the other players on the board, but those are the three I would look at there for Indiana to kind of start as, as far as them. You know, talking, you know, everybody talks trades at this point. Um, it's really more just gauging the value of the pick and seeing if uh, something is worthwhile for them. For, you know, when you talk to rival executives around the league, they get the sense that Indiana is going to look to upgrade on that wing a little bit if they can. And uh, in the front court, you know, we saw a little bit last year what Jalen Smith at the four looked like, for better or worse, uh, you know, at times. And, uh, you know, you've got Miles Turner there as your core center going forward, you've got your, ideally your backcourt, essentially the future in Tyrese Halliburton and Benedict Matherin. So, uh, you know, the, on the wing and uh, maybe one more frontcourt piece, uh, you know, you got something rolling here as Indiana kind of, when, when Tyrese was healthy, they were exceeding expectations last year. And then when he got hurt, uh, when he got hurt, uh, you know, they kind of fell off a little bit. Yeah, and the, the big thing here is the Pacers have picks 26, 29, and 32, and there's been a lot of reporting out there that they want to package those picks and move up. Have you heard of any teams that are maybe in that middle of the draft that would be willing to trade back and maybe get two picks in that 26, 29 range? Because, you know, that's an area with the new CBA and everything. You can get two quality players that could potentially be a part of your rotation for much cheaper. 
I mean, usually it's not going to be like that unless it's a, a playoff team that's seeking back-end rotation guys on the cheap and they like a couple of guys. Um, what's interesting was uh, Indiana had been linked to Bobby Clintman, and he decided to withdraw from the draft. So I thought that was interesting. I thought he would have been an interesting pick with one of those uh, back-end spots. So once that kind of got out there that he was – uh, gonna go to the next stars program instead of going and staying in the draft. It was interesting because then the Pacers reports about them potentially using those picks to move up kind of came out there. So it uh, raised an eyebrow a little bit for me because I think it showed you that they did like them. But um, with that said, I, I don't I don't have a specific team at this point that I think would necessarily target twenty six and twenty nine. Right now, you hear a lot of teams. You know, who's trying to get maybe the 10th pick from Dallas? Who's trying to move up into that top three with Charlotte and, and Portland? Um, you know, Portland certainly has an incentive to dangle that pick with Damian Lillard and his prime right now. Uh, can they get a win now player? And having a top three pick, um, they should get enough interest for a team looking to get, you know, either Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson. Though personally, I believe more teams would be interested in trading for Scoot Henderson of the two. Mm -hmm. um, so I almost wonder if if Charlotte would consider taking Scoot and then looking maybe to flip him as well. Um, you never know. Uh, obviously, they could play him with LaMelo, but a lot of dominoes. Um, and also with, with Houston at four, uh, it's no secret that they're trying to improve uh and be a playoff caliber team next year they've kind of got that mandate a little bit from ownership they've they've done the rebounding uh rebuilding excuse me thing for a little bit here so um you know tillman fertita wants to start winning again and uh you know i think for indiana it's a little bit more of a been a slow gradual pace and you know tyrese halliburton it looked like kind of hastened those expectations a little bit uh, with the way he was playing and becoming an all-star, um, and then he got hurt. But um, I thought last year was a good uh, building block year for Indiana, and they have another chance to take another small step forward depending on what they do with this pick and an another young guy for the core and uh, go from there, see if you can uh, make some additions around the edges as well. This offseason feels like it's going to be a very busy offseason because – we yeah. saw a lot of parity in the league this year. And I think, you know, seeing Miami and eight seed make it to the NBA finals was something we're not used to seeing. Obviously, Denver was one of the favorites out in the Western Conference. Nobody was surprised by that. But just the way things fell for the Miami Heat and that kind of stuff in the Eastern Conference, like the Knicks having a pretty decent run this year as well. How how big of a trade season do you think we're going to see in the offseason this year? Oh, boy, Alex. I Personally, I think uh, there's going to be a lot of moving and shaking. And I felt that way. Um, I said it on Yes Network when I when I'd done a video interview with them uh, before the trade deadline. Uh, then in this, and it didn't disappoint. So to me, <laughs> I think you're going to see a lot of trades for a couple of reasons. One, uh, with the new CBA coming in, and you have an opportunity to really make some more I would say blockbuster, multiplayer, multi-team trades. I think it's easier to do that now under this CBA. So I look for teams to try to maximize that window while they can. And I would also say that um, I think there's a couple teams you got to look at. I think you got to look at the Toronto Raptors because they've got Fred Van Vliet who's going into free agency. Gary Trent has a player option decision. He could potentially be a free agent as well. And then they've got to figure out long-term what they want to do with OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam. Are these guys that they want to eventually extend the long-term? Do you, do you look to maybe use them as trade chips and um, reset your timeline a little bit around Scotty Barnes who – was a guy they didn't want to trade for Kevin Durant. So if you're not trading him for Kevin Durant last year, I don't see why you would put him in talks now. And they've made no inclination of doing so. And then the other team, Alex, I'm personally, I'm keeping an eye on. I'm looking at the Washington Wizards because as we saw um, quite recently, uh, the reports out there about uh, potentially working together, you know, Michael Winger, the, the new executive for the Wizards and, Beal's agent and agency, Mark Bartlestein of Priority Sports on if they're going to reset, if they decide to go that route and rebuild that uh, they would look to find a suitable 
trade partner. And certainly, you know, the Miami Heat have been linked to him. Uh, but to me, I, I think that that's another team that's interesting because you've got Kristaps Porzingis' player option decision. Kyle Kuzma is going to opt out. Um, so is he a guy that he's young enough that you bring back and then you see if he fits with you and maybe you flip him down the line? What do you do a sign and trade? Same thing with Porzingis. If he opts in and he's on a final year of his deal and he's certainly a valuable trade chip at that point if he opts out. Is he a guy that you want to keep long-term given his injury history? He looked good in Washington this past year. Um, he looked like the all-star version that we saw with the Knicks. So he'd be an intriguing potential sign-and-trade guy maybe if you're a contending team or a playoff team looking to take a next step. And then, of course, you've got Bradley Beal. I think Brad's contract is certainly going to be a little bit tougher to trade, let alone the fact that he has, say, in where he would go potentially. So – you know, I'm looking at those two teams as potential needle movers to me because of all the dominoes that they could essentially knock down with uh, with a couple of trades. Yeah, Washington's definitely in an interesting spot with where they're at, and I think it might be kind of smart to reset with that organization just because it feels like they've kind of ran its course with who they've had there and maybe with Bradley Beal and him entering his prime probably already there. I'm sure he wants to win, and with what they've got there, it's going to be hard to do that. But I, I think you brought up a great point. Toronto, to me, is a really important team to watch because what direction are they heading? Because I, that still has yet to be determined. But from your intel and maybe your gut feeling, what direction do you think that they're going to be heading in the offseason? For Toronto? Yeah. i to be honest with you. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. Because I felt – because and it's been that way since the the trade deadline. Um, because a lot of people thought that a lot of rival executives thought Gary Trent would be a guy that they could potentially move. Didn't happen. Uh, instead, they got Jakob Podol, which was a step towards we want to get better with this group, which was interesting. You know, I, I think they – I certainly think he's a, a good player, and I think he's going to be a guy that they want to retain in free agency. Um, but certainly he's going to have multiple options to choose from. So I don't know with the hiring of Darko if that – even the hiring of the coach didn't signal to me one way or the other. Mm -hmm. They're a wild, Okay, to me the Toronto Raptors are a wild card. That's the way I would describe them. And I, I – you know, man, I'm always a straight shooter with you, brother. Yeah. I, I don't know which way they're going to go, and I don't think the rest of the league knows where they're going to go right now. I hope, you know, I'm sure they do somewhere in there. Yeah. They've got, I'm sure they got things on their board they're kicking around, but uh, they could do a little bit of both if they want as well. Mm -hmm. I like, like Toronto's never been a team that no matter what they're doing, they've never been a tanking team. Right. They always feel a competitive team, and they've got some young pieces there i think the one thing you know with toronto is they feel like they want to build around scotty barnes and i don't know i would have considered like i would have considered if it was worth it to move him in a kevin durant trade depending on what else would have been given up at the time but you know i think they felt like they were going to strip too much of that core and it wasn't worth it overall um that they weren't going to have enough to fill around kd and i don't know if they knew if he wanted to be there but um I mean, we saw Masai do it once with Kawhi, so um, we'll see. This is a different building strategy, I think, for, for Toronto right now where they've, they've really got to kind of figure out which way they got to go. They've been hedging ever since the trade deadline. Yeah, and I would say most of their core is, you know, their contracts are about to be up. You know, Pascal's an expiring this year. OG has a player option. Van Vliet's a free agent. He, you know, declined his uh, offer, his player option. And then, of course, Gary Trent Jr. is, like you said, I think he has a player option as well uh, on his contract. So that's what me just screams like, okay, yeah, that, like you said, that's just a wild card because they could go a lot of different directions. But another team that's, like you just mentioned, Kevin Durant, got traded to the Phoenix Suns. They bring in yeah. Frank Vogel. Uh, reports came out that were a little bit premature that they were waving Chris Paul, which was not the case. Uh, but they are going to be looking at what that future could look like for him. And then there's also been rumblings that DeAndre Ayton could be on the trade block, which makes a little bit of sense. But curious your thoughts on, on Phoenix and maybe some intel you have there. 
I mean, when it comes to Phoenix, look, I certainly think they're exploring all options with Chris Paul. Whether that's trading him, if, is there a fit um, and some potential upgrades? You, we, we've heard about this as, as far back as the, the trade deadline when Matt Ishbia first got there. Um, I certainly think a lot of people are going to, I don't know, playfully link Kyrie Irving there <laughs> because he played with KD and their friendship and they were kind of linked to him a little bit at the deadline. But I always, um, how do I say this? I always pump the brakes a little bit on stuff like that because, you know, just because some a team went after a guy to trade deadline doesn't mean that it's going to materialize. You know, they may have interest, but after that, it's like like with Kyrie going to Dallas, for example. Dallas has such an incentive to keep him um, after the assets that they gave up to get Kyrie number one and number two. Um, quite frankly, because you lost Jalen Brunson, mm -hmm. you need somebody next to Luca to have another co-star and then try to build out the rest of the roster. Um, so with Phoenix, I mean, the thing with DeAndre Ayton is they never gave him a deal. You know, they waited for the market to develop and luckily for Ayton, you know, and his, uh, his agents built Duffy and Nima Namaki and they were able to get the offer sheet from Indiana who rarely gives offer sheets. Yeah. That was the crazy thing. And so, you know, it's funny how that works because then Miles Turner ends up staying too when Indiana and you know, it's, it, you know, the carousel. It's always it's just like up and down and and riding around. And so, uh, with with Phoenix looking ahead, I I certainly look. I think number one, uh, the dominoes start with Chris Paul because when healthy, the trio of the, the trio of Durant. Booker and Paul played well. And you could say the quartet with Aiton. Um, but Chris Paul's always been a guy that unfortunately is broken down in the playoffs. The, the, yeah. the, we've seen it. Can't stay healthy for whatever reason. So I think that's a little tiring in some ways in, in Phoenix because, you know, it's a great player, Hall of Famer. Um, but getting over that proverbial hump has been a bit of an issue. So you got to explore what's out there. The, the stuff that I've seen out there about the San Antonio Spurs is interesting to me because I'm thinking they're a young team. And I know like he went previously to OKC and he made them into like a, a playoff team when nobody thought that they would that year. But I mean, I, I guess like to help Wembenyama's development, but that, that raised an eyebrow for me a little bit. I think if you're a contender, you could certainly look at Chris Paul. When it comes to DeAndre Ayton, you know, you would see with Aiton, you would see like in the playoffs when he was going for a contract year, he was, he was a monster. It's always about motivation for him. If you can tap into his motivation, he's a really good player. Um, and, you know, Vogel talked about him trying to get him to be an all star. You got to say that if you're the coach, um, <laughs> because one, you got to keep his value high. You know, unlike Doc Rivers, who threw Ben Simmons under the bus and rolled forward on him backwards and forwards, saying he didn't know if he could win a championship with him before they had to try to move him. So to me, it starts with Chris Paul. See what you can do there. I think a lot of it obviously has to do with the finances of it um, and his deal. And then with Aiton, um, there's always been a little bit of a tug of war of love-hate there a little bit. Um, so it, to me, it just uh, makes sense. And under the radar, Alex, I'll leave you with this. You know, Tory Craig, interesting guy there that I think you got to kind of keep an eye on a little bit. Um, I think he's an underrated guy in free agency that could help a lot of teams. So, um, yeah. That's interesting, yeah, because I know that there's been a lot of rumblings out there about, you know, could the Pacers be interested in DeAndre Ayton again, even though they just, you know, came to a contract extension with Miles Turner. But I will say this, the only thing that does make sense is Miles did only sign for two years. So it's not like the extension is super long. I could see them potentially being in the same boat they were in last year, just the next year after this season. So is there a chance the Pacers maybe look to move miles or do you think that we're way too, you know, into this extension that it's silly to even think about it as Alex, has there been a year where miles Turner hasn't been in a trade rumor? Well, that's, I mean, that's... I joke about it with him all the time. I think ever since his second year in the league, <laughs> This guy's been in more rumors than a kid in, in the high school hallways with the gossip, you know, <laughs> being thrown around. 
Um, and I mean, they were, they were warranted and valid. Don't get me wrong, but I, I just, you know, death taxes and Miles Turner trade rumors. You know, yeah. I mean, really, what, what, that that's the way I look at it, and I know that's the way he looks at it. He laughs and shrugs at this point, um, Adam. But uh, check with me in a couple of months after the start of the year with Indiana. I think right now they got a nice thing going. They want to keep seeing. Uh, what it looks like uh, going ahead. See, you can get in the draft. Um, you know, like I think people forget Miles Turner's still young. He's on the correct side of 30 at this point. Um, and his game translates. Elite shot blocker and can shoot the three ball. It's what a lot of people want in a center. As long as he stays healthy, been a productive player. I know he wants to take that leap and become an all-star. You saw with Tyrese, the numbers improved, certainly. Um I don't think he'd want to go anywhere. He loves playing with Tyrese. I know that for a fact. This is best point guard he's ever played with. He'll tell you. So um, I, don't, I don't necessarily see that yet. I think for Indiana, if anything, it's who do you get in the draft that could fit with this core and improvements around the edges to me. Yeah, I would agree. And I would say this because the Pacers have been hammering home. They want to get better on defense. Well, it wouldn't make sense to get one of one, rid of one of the best rim protectors in the league. And getting someone that could be a secondary rim protector next to him, whether it's Jairus Walker, Taylor Hendricks, or whoever they end up drafting or going out in free agency and getting, but just getting someone else that can help kind of take some of the load off rebounding and stuff like that, because our perimeter defense has been pretty abysmal and it's put a lot of pressure on Miles. So I would like to see Miles not have to just be like the last line of defense that has to rack up four blocks a game because uh, like Kevin Pritchard said, that doesn't necessarily mean that's a good sign of great defense. It means it's a, man, we've really got to work on the other areas so that he doesn't have to be that impactful at the rim. So right. lot, lots of ways to go there. Uh, I do want to pivot a little bit to Golden State now because they got a free agent in Draymond Green. Obviously, <laughs> the Jordan Poole contract is massive. Uh, he underperformed. Jonathan Kaminga is a name that's kind of been rumbled out there that could be yeah. on the move. And then you kind of have to figure out, okay, how are they going to put this roster together with so many big salaries. So what are you hearing on Golden State's front right now? First of all, it's, they don't technically have a GM yet, which is kind of interesting. It's like True. by committee. Um, but I, I would say with, with Golden State, that look, Kaminga, I think part of this with Kaminga is a little bit of frustration over his role and a lack of consistency with it. Um, with Draymond, ultimately, like I personally see him back. Whether it's opting in or they figure out a deal, like I think they're – I will say to you that I do believe he would have interest if he hit the market and teams would try. Like he's he's a really good defensive player and a connector if you're a, a contending team. But ultimately, I don't see him going anywhere. And um, who was the other guy you asked me about? I was asking about Jordan Poole. Oh, with Jordan, I mean, look, well, obviously right now his production to salary ratio uh, isn't where you wanted it to be. Um, ideally, I think for Golden State, what's interesting was when Jordan Poole started last year, he, he was infinitely better than when he came off the bench. I don't know what that mindset thing is, but if you look at like the basketball reference splits, pretty interesting stuff. So to me, um, they've always kind of resisted trading younger guys from their core. It took them so long to move James Wiseman. You know, they still got Moses Moody and, and whatnot as well. Um, I think they've got to decide, are they a player away from extending the timeline of the core? Um, and eventually, you know, you're going to have to pay Clay Thompson as well. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have to pay Draymond Green too. So financially, is it feasible to keep Jordan Poole or can you move him for younger guys? But again, it's a, it's a big contract. It's not, it's not as easy. Um, Kaminga, I would see having value for sure. I think there are a lot of teams out there look at him and say that this guy's got untapped talent, not getting enough minutes. Mm -hmm. I could see him being a much bigger contributor on other teams, having more playing time for sure. Um, you know, I think they're going to have a tough time retaining Dante DiVincenzo because they're kind of limited on what they can give him uh, under the CBA rules. I, I think, you know, he, he played well this year. I think teams will look at him and potentially uh, – see him as a guy that can help upgrade a rotation. Guy's a winner, Villanova, um, dating back to Villanova, I should say. So I think they've got a lot of stuff to figure out. But 
I'm always of the mindset when you have Steph Curry, you're all right. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt about it. it. Top top five player, top three player in the league. Uh, for sure, you can make the case for, for where he's at, but just an awesome player. So, yeah, I'm not worried about Golden State. Steve Kerr, you know, there's rumblings that maybe he could be close to being done coaching. Uh, I know I think Brian Winhorse had kind of floated that out a little bit there. But, yeah, there's a there's a lot of different ways that that team could go this offseason, so I'm keeping an eye on them as well because you just never know. I mean, this is a team that's trying to win a championship, so they could be aggressive and try to find someone. When when Steph Curry wants you to keep the core, you keep the core. Yeah, that makes to sense. To me, I you know. Yeah, he should have a, a large enough voice in there that they just listen to him. And oh, yeah. uh, he's uh, done so much for that franchise. So. He's earned it. For he sure. turned them. He turned them into uh, what they are. Yes. they were struggling. You know, they were struggling so much, and it's so interesting, Alex, because you know when he was hurt with the ankle injuries, they um they were deciding at one point, do we build around Monte Ellis or Steph Curry? Imagine that. I know <laughs> that worked out for him. Good thing they traded Monte. It's a sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, Alex. Let me tell yeah. you, because at the time you could say Monte was the more valuable player to their organization at the time too. So that's interesting. Now let's, let's transition again to another team in the Western conference that I think they've got some question marks and that is the Minnesota Timberwolves because they gave up everything last year to get Rudy Gobert besides Jaden McDaniels. And they'll make sure they told you that they, they got to keep him. They didn't have to give him up in the trade, but my God, they gave up every other asset that they had. And so yeah, Early every other executive was uh I don't want to say cursing them out, but they were every other executive was like, Man, you just reset the market, the trade market. Just like now the Pistons reset the coaching market with Monty Williams and giving him a bag. Um, you know, Eric Spolster and all these other guys are like, All right, business is booming, huh? <laughs> okay. That was an insane contract to me for Monty Williams. <laughs> I mean, nice guy, but woo. Uh, for a team that's in a bit of a rebuild, a guy that really hasn't, I mean, he was coach of the year a couple years ago, but uh, hasn't had the playoff resume, I guess you could say. When you when you become coach of the year now, you're getting fired in like two years. Go look True. at the, it, it's unbelievable. And you know what's funny? You know who hasn't been coach of the year? Eric Spolstra, who yeah. in my opinion is arguably the best coach in basketball. Go figure. I don't think there's any argument to that. I think he is. I mean, look at what he does with the little, the limited amount of talent that he's had. He just maximizes guys' talent. And it's just a great scheme uh, coach as well. But back to Carl Anthony Towns with Minnesota. Is this a guy that's going to have a lot of suitors, or is this a guy that it's going to be more of a, based on the team and what they need fit-wise? It's really – I think he said it best. It's up to Minnesota. Um, he said it on Pat Beverly's podcast. I think he also said that when he leaves the game, he's going to leave a mark. As some, he, he said a lot of stuff on that podcast, I'll tell you that. Um, I know Pat Bev was hyping him up too as like uh, one no of the best picks. But to me, this this is the thought process from rival execs, certainly. You're never gonna get what you got, what you gave up for Rudy Gobert. You then traded for Mike Conley to make Gobert better and have familiarity there. So they clearly have had an incentive to help Gobert. Carl Towns would have value on the market if they put him out there. Um He's still in his prime, even though he's on a max contract going forward. You can make the argument that other teams would pay it. So it's different than like the Bradley Beal situation to me. There's a lot less complicating factors there. Um, for Minnesota, they can go a number of directions, but ultimately uh, Jaden McDaniels' development is, is what's going to be the X factor for them right now. And long term, what are they going to do with point guard? Uh, they decided D'Angelo Russell wasn't the answer. They were far apart on contract extension talks. They got a stopgap guy in Mike Conley that was a good veteran influence and a guy that, again, helped Rudy Gobert. Um, I don't have, I don't have uh, a crystal ball whether, like, Cat's going to get traded or not. What I would tell you is if they decided they wanted to, he would have value. I think you can get uh, a couple of first-round picks for him, certainly, and salaries to get there things like that some pieces he's, he's a good player mm -hmm. um you know he, he still has value around the league um from people i talk to I, I don't think they would have a an issue moving him if they wanted to and again he's played with a lot of different players over the years he's played with zach levine jimmy butler you know i think long term anthony edwards being younger and an all-star guy 
it gives Minnesota the flexibility that they want to really go all in on Anthony Edwards and make him the face of the franchise even more so they can do that. I think right now it's a little bit of a co thing with, with cat. Um, even though some will say that they think it's Anthony's team a little bit more, um, but a lot of flexibility for you, for Minnesota and, uh, for Tim Conley, it's, uh, he's shown he could do a lot with a little when he was in Denver, he always maximized the draft picks. So, um, you know, I thought it was interesting that they gave up all those picks to get Gobert because mm-hmm. I thought you went away from your strength a little bit in Conley, but I also think they thought they were ready for that next step and they kind of they show flashes of it, but never consistency. If they can get that consistency and continuity, maybe they can take a step forward. Only they know that in, internally in there um, within Minnesota's management. Yeah, for sure. Um, how serious are the Pelicans about trading up for Scoot Henderson? And we know this is a roster that it's got a lot of talent on it, a lot of money tied into it. I feel like they need to consolidate the roster for sure. But mm-hmm. I'm just trying to figure out how the Pelicans try to reshape and retool this roster while still trying to be very competitive. Yeah, look, Alex, I think when it comes to the Pelicans, um, the belief was always that they had a long runway with Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram as the core and both all-star caliber guys. I just think the issue is, again, Zion hasn't been able to stay healthy. Uh, This is no secret. And I just think whereas Zion was probably more considered untouchable. I think now you'd at least ponder, does it make sense? And again, you'd be getting a top three pick potentially in Scoot Henderson, who some have compared to Russell Westbrook, Derek Rose. Pretty good, pretty good comparisons. <laughs> and a guy that um, you look at his physique and his characters off the charts, could be a franchise cornerstone point guard and an all-star at that going forward um so it depends what direction you want to go um you know i I know some have questioned like well if he went to portland for that three pick and you know just the nba twitter chatter you know um gosh i gotta tell you if you're portland all the injury history they've had over the years with greg odin brandon roy you name it you get zion williamson I'd be concerned about the injuries, yeah. especially given I don't know what it is about Portland, but they always they've they've had a ton of tough injury luck. And imagine you do that and you get Zion and does he stay healthy? I mean, you know. Um I'll tell you this, this is the first time we've heard uh Zion Williamson chatter about basketball instead of off the court stuff. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, that's that's probably good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, for his sake, because the last thing you want to do is hear about that stuff um, when it's in a negative light. So mm-hmm. that's uh, that's one of those things. Same with John Morant. I mean, I'm sure we're going to be hearing soon about the suspension. So, somebody joke with me, and again, this is a joke. I, if the aggregators link this, I'll come after you. I'm telling you now. Uh, somebody joke with me, like, what about like Jaffa Zion? That's <laughs> <laughs> like a joke. Um, I, I, and I kind of raised my eyebrow and went, eh? you don't like that meme when they go, eh? <laughs> and like <laughs> that, that, uh, that, that gif, gif. Yeah. Technically it's gif, but I go with gif. Yeah. I know, I know it's gif, but I go with gif personally. Hey, it's all right. I think at one point it was like you could say either and it didn't matter. And then it was like, no, the, pr- the correct pronunciation is gif, but I call it gif too because it doesn't irritate people when you say it. So, why not? Just irritating people is kind of fun sometimes. But uh, <laughs> I, let me ask you this because I know we've kind of talked about some of the bigger names and bigger teams and stuff like that. But maybe looking back at the trade deadline, things that did not happen, or some guys that might be a little bit under the radar in terms of like hmm. you know moving the needle in terms of like talking points, right? Like you're not going to be like, oh my god, sudden such team traded for like Obi Toppin or something like that, but. Uh, there's there's he's an interesting player but you're not going to like get the headline on espn for that so is there anybody like maybe in that tier of of players that you think yeah it could make a lot of sense for them to be on the move i mean i think if you're toronto you got to figure out what you're doing with og and anobi i don't i don't know if he's in that 
quote unquote tier because he's better than Obi Toppin. But yeah, um, like if you're Toronto, you got big decisions to make, and figuring out with him and Pascal, you're gonna want to extend them long term and not down the line. You've got a little bit of time for that, but the clock's ticking like Marissa Tomei and my cousin Vinny. Um, <laughs> so he's he's one that comes to mind because what was interesting, Alex was. I think when the Nets got Mikael Bridges, that threw off the OG Ananobi market a little bit because other teams were like rushing to call the Nets and like, hey, you guys looking to flip him? And Memphis, I reported Memphis offered four first round picks. Now, granted, Memphis is a good team. Those four first round picks aren't going to be, you would assume, high picks. Right. So didn't really move the needle. The Nets love Mikael Bridges. Um, they are not trying to move him at all unless there is such an overpaying blockbuster offer but again i don't see it it's very 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 slim chance he goes anywhere um and so yeah i mean i look at like og i look at i'm I'm just going oh that's a good that's a good on the spot question i'm going as you could tell me looking up in my brain here to to go through these teams (laughs) uh i'm going with og for now I, i gotta you're gonna have to come back to me on that one, but okay. OG, OG was the first one that kind of came up to me. Yeah, you know there was reports the Pacers did offer three first-round picks for somebody. Do you happen to know if that was OG Ananobi? I mean, there was speculation about it, but I couldn't. I I personally could not confirm that. Right, right. Not right, saying okay. it's not true, but I not that I, I I don't know. Not from my people. Yeah, I think everybody in, in Indiana is excited about the potential of that trade uh, talk conversation resurfacing. Oh, I it's, saw it on, uh, you know, when, when when my mock draft got um, shared on like NBA Twitter a little bit, and I said that the Pacers were uh, gauging the value of that pick. I would see people say to me, like, just fans, OG and, and the, the – uh, this pick and somebody for OG Ananobi, you are a pacer. And I just kind of laughed, you know, I fans, well, fans flood my, my reply mentions with trades and, and their commentary. And I always get a kick out of it, you know, either way, right. whether they like it or not, or it's like, I'm just, uh, I'm just reporting. I'm just sharing. You're just what a it reporter. Is. Yeah. I mean, you're not trying to stir up anything, but there is an infamous picture of OG and an OB after a Pacers game when the Pacers beat the Raptors in Indiana where OG grabs Tyrese Halliburton and whispers in his ear. And people have been speculating the whole time that I OG, never saw that. Really? I will have to send that to you. Please uh, do. You got my number text. That's yeah. I will text it to you because are you like, saying this is like the Jeremy Grant Nurkic and uh, CJ picture similar, like kind of that vibe. I'm trying to remember what that picture. I mean, there was one where LeBron talked to Lonzo and everybody made a big deal about that. Remember that one? Oh, yeah. the Yes. So OG kind of First hurt. of all, that's the thing. You cover your mouth. Like, first of all, even like in the NFL, they all run these plays. They put the play sheet above. Yeah. Um, it's just like that. Like, to me, if you want to act like you're doing something and stir something up, just be like this. That's it. You could be at the park on a bench on a date and, and do the same thing and, you know, stir it up. Like, <laughs> well, I just sent that picture to you so you can see what I'm talking about here for references. This uh, is live, folks. This is a, this is, oh, wow. Okay. That is two hands covering the mouth. This is top secret. <laughs> this is top secret stuff. Um, Hold on. Can we, does it work with the hologram kind of thing it, going? It, no? It's not working. I can probably show it on my phone here. Yeah. I, I that was pretty good. I don't have the blurred, uh, here we go. See if anybody can see that there. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that is like why everybody's talking about that. And I think like we, we had Chad Buchanan on. He couldn't really talk about it, obviously. But, you know, uh, it's one of those things where you're just kind of speculating like, okay, is this a guy that can make sense? And like, if he is a player option and he opts out the next year, uh, you know, could the. Uh... Well, what's interesting real quick, just because you touch on it. Uh, I think now with the new CBA that it's at least a consideration that maybe he would at least consider an extension Mm -hmm. given the new rules. 
Now, granted, you're going to have to do a lot of different things potentially. You'd have to go pretty high up there. And, you know, do you work out a, a team op, a player option or not? But um, the new CBA gives advantages to the possibilities for a lot of people in his situation to do an extension. It, it, it's worth more money now. So we'll see. And I mean, look for Boston with Jalen Brown, for example, you look at that. Um, a lot of dominoes as well, but yeah, I mean, I, I didn't mean to cut you up, but that, that like no, when I, good. when I have something like all that stuff, like just in my brain like that, I try to get it out before I forget. <laughs> No, I get you. So, I mean, you know, I don't mind putting you on the spot, asking you questions. I know you answer yeah. to the best of your ability. Um, I guess my last question for you here as we wrap this up is, is there one player you think, yeah, they're definitely going to not be on the same team they were uh, this past season that is probably in that, like, top 25 player range? Or do you think that most guys stay where they're at? If Washington decides to do, like, a full rebuild, then there's no reason to keep Bradley Beal. Right, Zero. right. So... If they go that route, which is plausible, I'd go with Bradley Beal. But I, I don't think it's like a slam dunk. I, uh, but that that's just the one that, like, for me, off the top of my head, came to mind. If I do more diligence and research, maybe I'll come back with a different answer. But let's put it like I told you, Alex. I, I don't think that came out by chance. No, no, no. At that... the exact same time, by the way. From a couple of people. Yes. Funny it's, how that works, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see where Bradley Beal is at next year. Uh, there's a lot of speculation. It could be Miami. There's speculation that the Bucks could have interest. Um, we'll, we'll see. I'm sure there's going to be another team that we don't expect to have interest that kind of pops up out of nowhere. But as always, that's how it works in the NBA. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting draft. I do think there's going to be a little bit more movement than we probably saw the last year. Yeah. Uh, just based on everything we've heard. And so many teams don't have picks. That's what's crazy. Uh, if you look, it's like the Pacers have three. Utah's got three. Portland's got two. Charlotte's got two. Uh, I think if there's anybody else I'm missing, but there's a lot of teams that have two to three picks in the first round. And it's just like all these trades that happened uh, really did kind of, uh, you know, make it where it's like only like 17 teams, I think, or 16 teams are like really in the first round of the draft right now. So it's going to make it interesting. But Scotto, it was awesome talking with you again. I know it's been a hot minute, but we'll have to do it again, hopefully next month, and get your thoughts on what's going on with uh, the offseason and the Pacers. No, for sure, brother. This is uh, – I'm glad we could do it. I am now going to uh, hunker down probably. I'm going to definitely lock in. We're about, we're about a week away now from the trade deadline, so mm -hmm. it's time to uh, to go into the cave a little bit and – work the phones and do what we got to do pretty earnestly. It's, it's about that time. And, you know, the week of the trade deadline, you can bank on Monday a lot of stuff coming out, I'm sure, because it always does. Absolutely. So let everybody know where they can find you at on social media and anything you want to plug. Sure. You can find me on Twitter at Mike A. Scotto, Mike A. Scotto, S-C-O-T-T-O, uh, hoopshype.com. If you're into podcasts, which obviously you are because you're listening to Alex's podcast here. You can check out the Hoops High podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you'd listen to podcasts. Um, and yeah, I'll be, uh, I'm sure I'll have another aggregate mock draft update before the draft. And I'll work on some Intel pieces. I'm going to do probably something on the Suns. I'll do a podcast on them as well. I've enjoyed doing those. We just did the Pistons, we've done the Blazers, we've done the Lakers, I've done the Knicks. Um, anybody that's kind of got a lot of stuff going on and I just have a lot of thoughts and info I want to throw out there, I'm usually going to pot about it. And you can read the transcript if, if you know, you don't want to, you know, listen to it on your drive and you'd rather listen to some music instead. Whatever floats your boat. It's all there on HoopsHype.com from me. Man, that's a great plug for yourself. I 100% I, I back that. And if you listen to the podcast for HoopsHype, make sure you give them a five-star rating and review we want to make sure that everybody knows that you like what you're listening to but as for setting the pace leave us a five-star rating and review as well if you like this podcast and uh, we will talk to y'all later this week setting the pace going to the top setting the pace going to the top this is your number one podcast sweeping every team we gonna need a mop smooth
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.